the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Ridiculous History, Ridiculous Historians. I am not Ben Bolin. Uh, and surprise, I'm not Noel. What? Whatever his last name is. Wait, wait, what is his last name? It's Brown. We went oh, over this I know. like right okay, before. Okay, guys, we've actually rehearsed this and I forgot his last name last time. Yes. Nolan do know who you are and I should know Brown because I feel like that's fairly simple. But for some reason, I continue to think, no I who? I think this is a power move because you two have kind of a nemesis relationship. Look, well, I've already tried to make Ben my nemesis and he wasn't you going have. for it. I think he's just too like, I want to be nice. Let's be professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to, maybe maybe I could try this with Nolia. I just want one good nemesis in my life. So if just in case you didn't know, I'm Samantha. <laughs> yes, that is Samantha. I am Annie. We are from the podcast Stuff Mom Never Told You. But today is a very special day. We are commandeering this show. We are taking it over. This has and, been and my ben plan. And Ben and Noel are okay, okay? Like, just, yeah. We did not put them in the corner. We did not, no. you know, put baby in the corner and tell them they couldn't speak. They asked us. <laughs> they did. And gave us the privilege of, uh, you know, grabbing your ear for a little while. They did. And they will be back uh, regularly scheduled programming. Uh, this is a very special Monday episode if you're listening to it when it comes out. Because today is International Women's Day, and in honor of that, we're taking over Ridiculous History. And uh, for this episode, we're going to look at some of history's most ridiculous beauty and fashion trends. Well, not only just ridiculous, but somewhat dangerous. Absolutely deadly. And and sometimes flammable, apparently. Flammable often. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So if we look at beauty standards, in a lot of ways, people, and especially women in this case, have come a long way. But 
I think it's really easy to look back and laugh at at beauty standards people had in the past or the ways they went about achieving these beauty standards. But let's not forget, uh, beauty standards are still around and people still suffer. Beauty is pain. I heard it recently. Um, <laughs> right. And it is can be very dangerous and it can be uh, lethal for some. And it can be costly for a lot. And it's definitely a point of contention when we talk about beauty standards versus what's reality, what's damaging, and what's just good for your uh, mental health and uh, your self-esteem. So we definitely don't want to drag that because sometimes it's it's nice to look pretty, but at what cost? At what cost? And that's certainly, I think right now, especially when we are talking about feminism, um, there is this intersection of power and oppression, right? Of Mm -hmm. like wanting to look a certain way and it but then that societal obligation to look that certain way. And we can't just, you know, it's easy to say, well, just don't do it. If you don't want to put on makeup, don't do it. But there are things like the pretty privilege. And, and, and there have been studies that shown that people, especially women who look a certain way, do get paid more. So there are things in society that we can't control that you can't just dismiss as, well, don't do it. So that right. that's the problem. Like the societal expectations and pressure that's where the issue is. I feel like if you want to do it, men are women, you should be able to do it. Right. But, right. Uh, Again, at case. what cost? And, what and, cost? and who is it damaging truly? And of course, we know that the beauty standard and the beauty industry makes tons and tons and tons of money at the expense of its customers sometimes. So, we're not going to get into all that. If you want to hear about all that, you definitely should check out our show just yes. to put that out there. But, but we want to talk about the history of some of the things that seem so outlandish today that yes. existed back then. Just to caveat, you know, beauty is a very messy, evolving world. So it's really fascinating to look back and see how things have just flipped in a lot of cases. But also, uh, when you're looking at different cultures, there can be... Uh, just very different um, beliefs about what beauty is and um, trying to be respectful of all of that. And then there are very problematic things in here when you're talking about like the white standard of beauty because we are going to be largely but not completely focused on Western beauty, which has for a long time been uh, like white, heteronormative, and also impossible to achieve. For most of us. Unless you want to poison yourself. Which we will talk about. So we are going to break this down into five main groups because there's a lot to go over. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. (laughs) Um, So we're going to break it down into skin, teeth, fashion, hair, and body shaping. And we're going to start with skincare because the importance of youth. Uh, That has been a theme throughout history when it comes to beauty, to these beauty standards and wanting to have that youthful look. Yeah. And as I'm coming up on my, like, like the years of the 40s, uh-huh. I would say, uh, I have realized, yes, this definitely impacts all of us in when you are trying to obtain the impossible youth forever goal, which, right. honestly, to be fair, my youth was really tiresome, so I'm cool with just sitting in my <laughs> rocking chair and yelling at the kids. <laughs> do That's you have a rocking do. chair? I need one to know. Day, one day, it's going to happen. I'm going to have a rocking chair and I'm going to sit on my porch and start screaming at the kids and then eventually I want to be that witch on the corner that they have rumors about that eat the children. That is my oh, goal. Wow, that is quite the goal, Samantha. One day. Is, but 
okay. For now, until I get that rocking chair. Yes, yes. I, I definitely have looked at skin regimens. And looking at these old school ones, yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, people have resorted to what now seem very odd or dangerous choices to achieve this look. Like, again, people have died for beauty. They have suffered for beauty. So if you look at anti-wrinkle treatments, for example, uh, there are things like ancient Greeks and Romans used animal excrement uh, to to get rid of wrinkles. And apparently crocodile dung was the best. And you know what? There's still stuff used today that you're kind of like, wait, what? Um, I know for a while some, like, poisonous venoms were used. Yeah. Um, and not too long ago, people were using sperm. Uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I like the face you're making, a very confused one. And I, I want to put in here, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Maybe Wait, crocodile- you're not? No, Samantha. I feel like our relationship is based on a lie. It is. Oh. I didn't mean to tell you this way, but alas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe crocodile dung actually is good for the skin. It's just odd to hear. And also, it seems kind of difficult to obtain. Um, so, interesting in our yes. modern eyes. Um, also, this is one of my favorite fun facts. Um Much later, marshmallow cream was used for the same thing to get rid of wrinkles. According to one ad, it could even fill out a shriveled old throat or bust. Bust, even. I like that. Uh, I guess we need the uh, marshmallow cream to lift our boobies. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Our shriveled old bust. Um, Um, I feel like that's just so sticky. (laughs) So sticky. Okay, so that's the thing is like, Again, I cannot say for certain that this doesn't work. And in fact, if you were to search this today, marshmallow of the plant is used in skincare regimens. But this was marshmallow cream specifically. And to me, that sounds the worst thing, like the stickiest, worst mess you could put yourself in. And as someone who has failed very fantastically at making marshmallows before, no, thank you. Well, yeah, and I'm not going to lie. As a dog owner, this seems like a nightmare. This seems like I'm training my dog to eat my face off when I die and I'm left alone in my apartment because she's like, oh, you have marshmallow cream on your face. Yeah, let me eat that. I like how honest you are with yourself about how your dog will eat you. At you Oh, know. I absolutely believe my dog's going to eat my face off or something. <laughs> Some like She's not going to be the cool dog that just sits waiting patiently yeah. for someone to find me. She's like, oh, I have to survive. This dummy's dead, so let me eat that. Anyway, going on. Anyway, so, yeah. let's talk about radium. <laughs> A less touchy subject. <laughs> I'm very bitter about this. Yes. Radium, wait, what? Yeah. Yes. So after Marie Curie discovered radium, people started using radium in cosmetic lines. Okay. Uh, including Thoradia. Uh, produced by Alfred Curie, no relation, but I I suspect was trying to write off her name, like hitch his wagon to her star. Um, and this cosmetic line promised to brighten, rejuvenate, and promote, quote, cellular vitality and all kinds of other things, like getting rid of wrinkles, pimples, boils, redness, and halting aging altogether. Like, I think, yeah, it would work. It definitely would just burn your face off as well as kill you. So it stopped aging. Is that not how that goes? I suppose that's one way to look at it. I mean, it it follows through with its promises in this point. 
It's true. Um, there's also this 1918 ad for cosmetic line Radior that reads, An ever-flowing fountain of youth and beauty has at last been found in the energy rays of radium. <laughs> energy rays. That's literally a gun pointed at your face, right? It's the Star Wars version of the sabers. Yes, it's a bunch of little Death Stars just <laughs> on your face. I love this ad copy, honestly. I love that somebody wrote it. And at the time, this was apparently like, ooh, <laughs> energy rays <Okay>. on my face. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Again, there are th- it's easy to laugh, but there are things that are similar to this that people are doing today. Right. And I do, I am often curious, a hundred years from now, if humanity still exists, if we're going to look back and be like, what were they doing? Right, right. <laughs> in the 2020s. But in the case of radium, these radium products were outlawed in the U.S. in 1938. But now, let's talk about arsenic. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, Arsenic for a rosy glow. Uh, During the 19th century, people in what is now Austria and Slovenia may have taken arsenic to, quote, produce a blooming complexion, a brilliant eye, and an appearance of point or sexy stoutness. (laughs) Wait, what? Is that yeah. sexy stoutness? I'm not going to lie. That may be my new favorite phrase. I'm just going to put that on every dating site I'm at. Sexy stoutness. I feel like that is a Dungeons and Dragons description of a dwarf or gnome. Uh, or cookie. Huh. Yeah. And like I said, <laughs> that's going to be my title. <laughs> well, I don't mean to correlate the two. I'm just um, saying. <laughs> and this was from an 1857 article. And this article also specified that people believed it was, quote, dangerous to take it at any time other than the increase of the moon. Mm. Oh, yeah. they should have had a system. Yeah, I think, you know, even then, uh, people realized arsenic in high quantities was not safe. So I think this was a way to spread it out. But of course, the more arsenic you took, the worse your complexion actually got over the long run. Right. So the more you had to take. Well, what's funny about that is arsenic was used for poisoning, specifically to poison people they could not get rid of of their lives. So we know that way back when we have this whole conversation of women coming together and being like, oh, I can't get divorced. This is how I'm going to kill my husband. Then This is going to be perfect. And so you know they knew the dangers of arsenic, but they still were like, but... It gets rid of my pimples. Let's do this. So I love the fact that they're like, yes, I'm going to use this to get rid of my husband because he's annoying. I don't like him. Or all these, of course, there's bigger conversations to that than anything else. But just putting it on the simple terms of like, but at the same time, let me see what it does when I put it on me. Yes. Yes. I, the things people will do. The things people will do for beauty. Um, there were products like Dr. McKenzie's Improved Harmless Arsenic complexion wafers that were available until the 1920s. And I love that Harmless was in the name. Right. As well as the fact that not only did they have these wafers, that they were like, oh, if I eat this, it's going to clean me out inside. Yeah. Out. So, okay. But they also used like arsenic to put into a splash of their favorite cocktail or drinks in order to do the same effects. But then I guess they would add it to their, you know, enemies drinks as well, maybe in a larger quantity. Because, you know, we know as we look through this, and we're going to talk more about this, arsenic is used in a hell of a lot of products, whatever it may be. And the fact that it's like, hey, it poisons people? Okay, well, let's also use it for something else. It's not just for poisoning anymore. 
You should be you should be publicity for arsenic. It's not this. just for poisoning. <laughs> it's not just for poisoning anymore. It also cleanses your skin of pimples. Here we go. <laughs> just both. Don't ask questions. <laughs> um, and then we wanted to talk about these things called beauty patches. Um, so smallpox and syphilis, they were big problems during the 17 and 1800s. And they left scars on people's faces, which some people covered with lead powder. And side effects may include tooth rot, baldness, irritation of the eyes, and blackening of the skin with extended use. And again, people would then apply more of this powder to cover all of that, which meant that it became worse. It was this vicious cycle. Right. So they just kept adding it on when they're like, oh, it's darkening my skin. Let me add a little more. Oh, it's darkening my skin. Let me add a little more. You know what, though? With all of that, when we were talking about what we were going to do as we were researching it, I have seen many romantic movies period mm-hmm. pieces. And I'm I'm a big fan. I mm-hmm. never knew that when I would see the little stars or see the little hearts uh, patches on their faces, what right. it was what it was. I thought it was completely uh, like decorative. Artistic and then in learning that yeah. this was the way they've actually covered up scars, I find it genius. So we don't we talked about these small pieces which were made of expensive fabrics like silk and velvet and shaped like stars and moons and they were called beauty patches. How perfect is that? <laughs> I kind of really want them to come back now. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I would have been so into that. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it now, but especially when I was younger. Because I, I remember I, I um, used to use this lip gloss for a very brief hot minute from Claire's. And it had like stars and hearts in it. And it, you can already see the problem, I'm sure, of that lip gloss. But <laughs> like, I love it. How much plastic it. did you ingest? <laughs> exactly. <Ooh>. Um, <laughs> But this would have been right up my alley. And I think um, these became really fashionable for a time. And the placement of these symbols could represent things like married or single, ready to mingle, especially when we're talking about this time period when it there was a lot of repression of those kinds of things going right. on and a lot of rules around courtship. This could be a way to be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm I don't free. Think, yeah, I definitely didn't know that. And I love that fact. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm cynical enough to be like, what What did they really use it for? Like, was that yeah. some kind of, like, invitation or a challenge sure. or what are these things? Because, you know, we've definitely seen in the present times where kids will do challenges and by sure. having different whatever it is, bracelets or weird stickers or whatever, being a, into a challenge of some sort that's a little bit nefarious. I wonder <laughs> if that's became a competition. Yeah, and and you know me, Samantha, that I'm very oblivious in a lot of these things. And I feel like I would have been the person that didn't realize if I place it under my left eye, for instance, that it means uh, I'm ready to kill someone or something. I'm obviously making this (laughs) up. But the point being... That's where you left to? (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) I don't want you to read into that too much. I'm just saying I I would have just put it on my face because I thought the placement was cool and not realizing that... It was sending you, some kind of message. You were sending signals. I was thinking sexually or relationship, but you went to killing. No. So there's that. Okay. Now we need to, <laughs> not, now you may know. Let's <laughs> pocket that. Let's put that away um, and talk about nylons for a second. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Okay. So due to a nylon shortage caused by World War II, 
Um, there was not enough pantyhose to go around. So women resorted to painting their legs to get that pantyhose look. Yeah. Um, but for those who didn't want to go with the paint route, it could be expensive and time-consuming. They turned to household items like gravy, which, again, I feel like you're going to get bugs. You're going to be chased by dogs. But the I dog. guess you'll have that look. You will be that dog's favorite person that would eventually gnaw off your leg. However, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison to, though, the self-tanning, it kind of is the same thing. Maybe it's not directed specifically towards your legs because you want right. to look like you have nylons. But I know that pantyhose went out the window and we would just rather have a tan in mm-hmm. hopes of not having to wear things on our legs and not blind somebody by people's white legs. Right. On, you know, there are fragrances associated with that. And that that's actually a really good lead-in to what we're going to talk about next because tanning has been something that has shifted of the meaning and desirability of it over time because eventually it became in vogue because it represented, especially for white people, that you had the time to go on vacation and tan, essentially. Right. You right. had the money and time to be outside for leisure activities. Mm-hmm. But one standard of beauty that is more problematic in this whole conversation throughout time um, has been skin whitening and the standard of white beauty and the preference for lighter skin. So, toxic lead. Let's talk about that. Um, Yeah, so Victorian women used toxic lead to achieve maximum paleness. And we've seen in paintings how vogue it was. And not only just white, we mean like pasty, (laughs) you are almost dead or definitely have been painted white. That it is, I don't know if it actually, maybe I don't know enough white people in my life, but I feel like that's not true to have seen that pale of skin on purpose. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. And then, you know, we also will be talking about it a little more later, but you know, a lot of the Asian cultures would also do the same thing and lighten their skin. And and, and and even today, that's still a big thing to want to bleach or whiten their skin. But because of that, like, comparison to that whiteness in comparison to the rest of your body, how unnatural it was, it made people's teeth look yellow. Yes. Which caused them to blacken it. But that's a whole different thing. But it is this level of, look at me, the paleness of my skin reflects on how rich and how... uh acceptable and desirable I am. Right, right. And and people would go, during Victorian times, especially in Europe, uh, people would go to great lengths to achieve this, including bloodletting to yes. get this level of paleness. Yes. I know that the rosy thing was a thing, too, so they would even use leeches yeah. to get that blood out. I'm still kind Ooh. of horrified because I don't want those squirmy things on me ever. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Well, a famous example... Is of all of this is Queen Elizabeth I and her uh, mask of youth out of England, of course. And to further accentuate this paleness, uh, before the French Revolution, women, again in Europe, used blue pencils to draw and really make their, their blue veins stand yeah. out. Uh, and I even read that they went as far as because they wanted it on their clavicle and near their boobies. Mm-hmm. That they wanted to draw the veins on their uh, chests to make sure you knew. Yes, even under all of this, I am this white and pale, which I feel like that's a whole other conversation, but that they would actually draw the veins on their breasts as well as their clavicles. And I'm like, wow, that's a whole different level of wanting to be really translucent. (laughs) I just want to point out it's the second time you've said boobies. Uh, You're welcome. 
<laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about serial killers for a second. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite t- subjects. Let's go. Yeah. I try not to think too hard about that. Hey, you're the one that was talked about killing people. I don't know. We're not making a good impression. Um, <laughs> yes, please understand. This is normal, actually. That's never mind. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's make it worse. Okay, let's do this. And we're also going to be talking about virgin blood. Oh, yes. Yes. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. So in the 15 to 1600s, Hungarian Countess Elizabeth Bathory, also known as the Blood Countess, and the world's most prolific female serial killer, Guinness World Record certified. Boom. Uh, tortured and killed somewhere between 100 to 650 young girls and women. There are so many conflicting stories. And of course, uh, as I, I know you listeners are familiar with on this show, history and records and record keeping can make for a bit of a mess of things, especially when you're talking about something as horrific potentially as this. So that's why the range... But she had a lot, a lot of legends about her. And clearly, I mean, we're still talking about her today. Right. And yeah, also, this is one of those things where we go back and say, okay, is it really because she did these things? Or is this just a tale in order to make her look really, really bad? Of course, there had been a few women who said they left and fled captivity from her. So maybe... I don't know the extent of this. But, of course, we know that it's kind of because of her. We have the legend of Dracula. Right. Right. And, and that is certainly something, modernly, people people suspect that perhaps because she was a woman who owned property, especially a big castle, and at the time that was terrifying, that all these stories got really exaggerated about her. Um, and that's some, certainly something to keep in mind. But when we're talking about beauty... One of the most enduring parts of her story is that she bathed in the blood of her victims, believing that virgin blood would keep her skin young and fresh. 
which is terrifying. And I can absolutely see why it was so effective, even if it wasn't true. <laughs> right. I mean, bathing in blood is a whole kind of horror tale. Anyway, so yeah. talking about young women who are the most vulnerable of all species outside of children. <gasps> yeah. How dare you? I mean, yeah. it's bad, though. It's bad. Yeah, well, you know, actually, we've had kind of a... I, I also don't want to put this in comparison, but, I, you know, a more modern example would be the vampire facial, right? Oh because Kim Kardashian made some waves when she published a picture of her face covered in blood uh, right. a few years back. Can you tell uh, us about that? Oh, so I had to go and look this up because I was like, what is happening? What happened? And, of course, the top two headlines had... A, what is this? And B, Kim Kardashian regrets having this. So those are the two headlines that you should know. But apparently this process is a combination of microderm abrasions followed by an application of the PRP, which is called the platelet, which is actually the platelet-rich plasma. And in one column, one of the doctors uh, said that the PRP is derived from the serum portion of the blood, which contains platelets. The platelets contain high levels of growth factors, which when applied to the skin will stimulate cells and turn over. So essentially, it's trying to bring out the healthy cells and try to uh, rejuvenate all right. of this. So when you look at the picture, it's literally just crusted dry blood on her face that caused, is caused from the poking of her skin. And by yeah. the way, if you've looked at any of these rolly things that have the little prickly needles, I have mm -hmm. one. I've never used it because I'm petrified of this. But it probably makes sense. It just seems way too painful for what I'm willing to do. <laughs> Those are the questions you got to ask yourself with beauty of like the comfort. What are you willing to to suffer for it? Uh, this picture of Kim Kardashian is shocking, and I know this is ridiculous history. And you're like, this is not history, but we did want to keep bringing up these kind of modern examples just to continue to make the point. Yes, it still it's happens. Easy. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to laugh at these past examples, but we're kind of still doing a lot of similar things. Right. The microneedling thing, it, it exists. Uh, acupuncture has been proven as as a stress relief. But to be fair, when you look at people who go for full acupuncture, it looks like a horrifying beginning of a movie, torture movie. So there's that. But we know there's benefits to it. However, <laughs> what if in 20 years they're like, eh, you yeah. didn't know as much as you thought you did? I think that's probably, you didn't know as much as you thought you did is... Be the theme for the next every, 50 years. <laughs> exactly. Like every 20 years, I think that next generation can say that. Um, also, you can still tour the castle of Elizabeth Bathory and they sell Bathory blood red wine. So they're really leaning into this whole thing. And I just want to put in here, I remember a few years back, there was this big news story about injecting like older folks, injecting blood from young folks to like get their youth and vitality so again like we're still doing these things mm -hmm. all right but let's move on to teeth oh. uh, and let's talk about what you you mentioned earlier samantha with the the black teeth Right. So uh, in one of the things that we looked at they talked about the culture of black teeth which we don't see much of ever anymore because we are obsessed with bleaching our teeth um but way back when uh, in Japan, they would actually have black lacquered teeth. And there are several theories as to why, including maybe because, yes, they donned on the very white makeup and the contrast of their 
not as white teeth, was very, very prominent. So therefore, they went ahead and were like, hey, we're going to do this all black because black was considered one of the most beautiful colors within that culture. And to be fair, I love black. Like when you look at black onyx and any of those really beautiful stones, that's just a glossy black. There's something beautiful about that. Black is slimming. So I'm cool with that. Yeah. I will wear that all day. Uh, yeah. it, it helps you with your emotions. No, I'm just playing. That's a whole different level. But yeah, so black was considered so beautiful and so rare that it was also an added uh, function of showing their level in society. Also, black with teeth were kind of a measure of your, as we said, maturity. And it not only just in age, but possibly with sexual um, understanding. And I read in one column where they said that it possibly could have been used within the geisha culture Mm -hmm. to show off their sexual maturity as well. That if they had that black teeth, then that's what it shows. And it even goes as far as being used into ghost folklore, which I love. Because Annie and I, if you come to our show, you're going to understand we love ghosts. We love horror. We Mm -hmm. love all those things. And especially what those implications mean for women or in a feminist lens. But this specifically was a woman who was all white-faced, black teeth, but no actual eyes, no nose, just her teeth. And she didn't. She was apparently harmless. She just liked to scare people. I can get behind that. Right? Right? (laughs) I can get behind that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so the women... And actually, uh, men did this too. And in fact, this is a... um, because this went on from 250 CE in Japan till about the 1870s. And during that time period, it shifted over who could do it and what it meant. Um, so for a period, like wealthy men were the only ones who did it outside of a few exceptions and women. Um, but whatever the case, women would drink this tea with pieces of iron in it that would mm-hmm. oxidize and dye the liquid black. And scientists actually believe that this strengthened the teeth, that they had really strong teeth. They were like, they had the best teeth ever. And even though it looks like what we would consider rotting, Mm -hmm. they had really strong teeth. And I'm like, okay, maybe we really do need to do this. Iron teeth? (laughs) Iron teeth, give me those. (laughs) And and Japan wasn't the only uh, place that did this, especially in, in Asia, a couple of cultures had similar practices. But also, um, this wasn't the only time black teeth were in outside of Asia because Queen Elizabeth I, again, was a huge fan of sweets, which meant that her teeth were blackened and decaying. And it became a brief trend for women to blacken their teeth to prove that they, too, had enough money for sugar in Europe. So... I feel like that's the opposite of what was happening in Japan, but okay. Yes, yes. Very, very, very different. You're you're correct. And when we look at teeth in general, it has been used as a standard of beauty or even just a uh, divisive issue of what is in and what isn't in. And even today, we talk about grinding teeth. So when we talk about grinding teeth, I'm not talking about you, you know, being stressed out, worried about things and doing these things inadvertently that you have to go to the dentist for. We're specifically talking about cultural things where they may have ground specific teeth to show that they are A, not animalistic. And it kind of separates them as being a higher being they felt like it was a way of measuring their adulthood and maturity and to, to rectify and show that they are uh, of, of a higher plane 
we can say. Right. But just an understanding that they were not animals and that it separated them from that and the way that their teeth were shaped and who they right. were. Of course, we do see teeth that were sharpened into points mm-hmm. and able to show their uh, animalistic uh, manliness as well. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not going to say that it's just one because it's still practiced today. They're still uh, shaping of their teeth and we don't quite get what's happening, but it is for their specific culture. And I think it's something that we note because grinding teeth sounds like a nightmare to me. I have very yeah. sensitive teeth. Uh, <laughs> growing yeah. out, growing up with like no enamel on my bottom teeth, that sounds like a hor- horrific experience, which may be part of the thing is that it comes through in a way of showing your manliness that you're able to withstand the d- grinding of teeth. I don't know. That's just an opinion because I feel like you, that you just have to go to a whole different level of pain right. to go through that. But also in the way back when days, they also it would put jewels within their teeth. And they found skulls and different uh, archaeological digs that showed that they had actual remaining beautiful jewels within all of their teeth, which mm-hmm. I think put them on a different social standard as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also sounds painful, but makes sense. Um, <laughs> well, well, let's move on to fashion then. Okay, no um, more teeth. It's not going to get much better, though. Uh, (laughs) So, arsenic, we're talking about arsenic again, uh, was also used as a dye to get Paris green, which I have to say was a beautiful color, during the Victorian era. But doctors started to notice a link between women's love of this color and a rise in the death of young women due to cancer, and they put it together. There was enough of a, a link that they saw that they were like, oh, gosh, stop wearing this color. <laughs> right. I like that. The, I have a feeling that they were like, stop wearing this color, but uh, keep ingesting your wafers. It's fine. Yeah, the wafers fine. are fine, but it's the color, fine. no good. No, 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 no. Not good, not good. Uh, and let's talk about the damn courses. Now, we yeah. have seen many uh, pictures, and we know the damage that it could have caused. And we even talk about it today where they have the shapers and then there's still kind of a mm-hmm. conversation of like, how healthy is this? Who is doing it? What is it for? Um, but yeah, these courses were legitimately torture chambers to me. Like, I cannot imagine what kind of pain you had to go through. And of course, there's rumors and... Uh, Assumptions that it caused a lot of damage, including people talking about cracked ribs, possibly people removing ribs. Uh, they used it to get the perfect S curve, I believe is what it was called. And I'm just kind of like, what? Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, it achieved the 14-inch waist. Yeah. I'm trying to figure that out. Like, I'm trying to see that in my head as a picture. What do you think? 14-inch. So okay. that would be half of mine. Oh, and you're tiny. (laughs) Yeah, and there's a, I mean, we're not going to go too deeply into this because I feel like it has been discussed in the past, but uh, there are a lot of rumors. Like, you can't verify historically in the record that people got ribs removed, but it's terrifying enough that we believe it's possible. Like, people might have done that. That's scary enough. Right, Um, and whether who got punctured with, like, cracked mm -hmm. ribs, there's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It definitely led to rib cage deformities, spine misalignments, terrible things. Um, but let's talk about the 19th century crinoline hoop skirt. So so these corsets we were talking about were also from the 19th century. But this hoop skirt, these hoop skirts were made with wood or steel, and they caused all kinds of issues from wind gusts, like getting caught up in wind gusts, uh, getting caught up in wheels, um, inability to get out of doorways. And in fact, a fire at a Chilean church in 1863 left thousands dead. 
many of whom were women whose crinoline skirts got caught in the door and they couldn't get out. Terrifying. Yeah, that is horrifying. Could you imagine just having these skirts and trying to be pretty, but you're going to end up being up in flames? Uh, I know I definitely read how Oscar Wilde's two half-sisters burned to death with their crinoline skirts caught on fire. No wonder Oscar is so, so jaded. First name basis. <laughs> he and I would have been friends, and I'd been like, dude, sorry. That is a horror movie. Like, I can't imagine being in a dress that's just got on fire is terrifying. And you All he wanted to do that day was look pretty in your skirt. Yeah, you, you probably started with very high hopes. <laughs> you go up in place. Uh, uh, let's talk about a different skirt, the hobble skirt, also called the speed limit skirt, which <laughs> I had never heard of. So this is a, uh, it was a long skirt with an extremely narrow hem around the wearer's calves, and it was popular during the 1910s. And, uh, you know, hobbling the word, this was a method of tying an animal's legs together to prevent them from escaping. Right. And I love that this is the uh, French designer, Paul Perret, often, who, by the way, is credited for inventing the skirt, says uh, he wasn't a fan of the corset. Mm -hmm. And so he stated, yes, I freed the bust. Oh, great. Thank you. But I shackled the legs. Congratulations. The legs. Wow. Congratulations, Paul. You're the worst. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and here is a bonus man fact. Um, because men weren't immune to ridiculous beauty trends either. And we've, we've discussed some of these. Uh, Samantha, you like to bring up the calves when calves were super popular. With oh, men. yeah. Like, I love the fact that they that's they were so proud of it. And uh, that's a Scrubs episode, by the way, of of the uh, the older doctor who's very proud yes. of his calves. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were showing those calves off like nobody's business. Yes. Don't worry about the breast. It's the calves. It's the calves. Uh, and, and the cod piece was something that I really floated for this episode, but I got shot down. So if you're mad at anybody, take it up with Ben and Noel. Um, <laughs> even though they really had nothing to do with this, but take it up with them. Yeah. Still, uh, still. Yeah. But here is, I had never heard of this. Um, it was this high and tight collar that men wore uh, during the 19th century, especially in the upper class. And it was called the father killer. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were pretty much what the name sounds like in terms of high and tight collar, not necessarily father killer. But these collars could get so tight they would cut off oxygen to the brain. And drinking made the whole thing much more dangerous. I mean, the very fact that it has that nickname. Yeah. Uh, Did you see some of the pictures when you were yeah. looking this up? It literally is just a man sitting up with his head hung over to the side. Because yeah. he just, he died. He died because the oxygen was cut off. And you're like, well, damn. It's, that wasn't a good choice for the day, was it? No, once again. But who <laughs> who could know? Who could have uh, known <laughs> that a collar would kill you? Also, I wanted to mention sexual piercings. So. There's not too much uh, written record to back this up, but there's a few. And apparently, if we're to believe the record, uh, these were popular among those that could afford it during the Victorian era. Uh, for women, this might mean piercing nipples, their nipples, and connecting them with a chain, while men might pierce the head of their penis, and this was called a Prince Albert because apparently he had one. And also, apparently, I don't believe this, but I guess it made wearing the ever-tighter pants that were in fashion more comfortable. Well, we know that the Prince Albert supposedly still exists, or there were those who did it not too long ago. 
10, 15 years ago. So if that exists, let us know. Does it help with your pants? Don't let us know. Let oh, Ben and yeah, Noel know. Let Ben and Noel know. Don't tell us. Go talk to Ben and Noel. <laughs> yeah, let go them talk know. To ben and Noel. All right. <laughs> let us move on now to hair because historically we fluctuated on where hair should and shouldn't be. Um, so let's start with hair removal. Ancient Egyptians and Renaissance women used a dangerous mixture of, once again, arsenic. Arsenic. Yep. And quicklime to remove unwanted hair. Yeah. So ancient Greek women may have used arsenic, again, among other things, to also lighten their hair uh, since blonde was seen as exotic. And it still is, obviously, as we use bleach now, safer to continue with that tradition. Yes. Uh, And during the Middle Ages, uh, when women's foreheads were considered highly attractive, some women removed eyelashes and eyebrows to draw attention to it. And related, Pliny the Elder wrote that women's eyelashes fell out due to too much sex. So ancient Roman women took great care of their eyelashes because it was the look, it was what was trendy, but also to prove their chastity. Okay, as an Asian woman that doesn't have that doesn't have a lot of eyelashes, I I'm very confused. Mm-hmm. I'm very confused, and I don't understand how this is correlated to sex. So I'm gonna need to take a minute. Keep going. I I understand the thought process, but I don't think it's correct. <laughs> um, according to an 1899 article from the Dundee Chronicle, here's how eyelash extensions at the time went down. And just like trigger warning, this is pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, an ordinary fine needle is threaded with a long hair generally taken from the head of the person to be operated upon. The lower border of the eyelid is then thoroughly cleaned and in order that the process may be as painless as possible, rubbed with a solution of cocaine. The operator then, by a few skillful touches, runs his needle through the extreme edges of the eyelid between the epidermis and the lower border of the cartilage of the tragus. The needle passes in and out along the edge of the lid, leaving its hair thread in loops of carefully graduated length. Mm. Uh, When this article came out, the trend had already been around in Europe for at least two decades. Oh, God. I just can't imagine how many times their eyes were poked out. That's like a horror movie in itself. No. Move on. Next. Next Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, by the way, yeah, we're going to move on now because there you go. There's your torture moment. Moment, But they also used x-rays. Yes, the x-rays where we are fairly heavily guarded to make sure we don't get the extra of yeah. the x-rays. Uh, they actually used that as hair removal at one point in time. During the mm-hmm. 1920s, uh, it led to serious injuries like, not surprisingly, Bone loss. Yep. Uh, these devices were incredibly wild looking, including the Trico system invented by Dr. Albert C. Geyser. He recommended a series of 10 to 20 short treatments. I don't know yep. how many short treatments we're going to handle in general. But up until the 1940s, medical journals reported on the cases of women injured and other ill effects of using this system, this really bad system. And they definitely don't recommend it today. No. It kind of looks like a big MRI that you, like, put things you wanted to get It had to be costly, too. Like, why? It was huge. Um, But on the other hand, there have been instances of uh, when hair, especially big hair, uh, has been in vogue. Uh, And I know uh, Ben and Noel have done an episode on wigs. Why did people, why did judges wear wigs before? And so we're just going to briefly touch on this. But in in the 18th century, women, when these big, tall wigs 
were in fashion, um, they would use lard to keep this hair in place, these wigs in place. And that led to lice infestations, rat infestations, and then wig cages to keep out the rats and scratching sticks. And by the way, this was also very flammable. And if you look through some of the history, there's conversations of people dying <laughs> from their yeah. wigs catching on fire. <gasps> yeah. We laugh, but it's sad. It's also, really bad. <laughs> unibrows. At one point during ancient Greece, unibrows, often made of goat hair or painted on with pigment, were all the rage. And they could symbolize things like intelligence. And in some parts of the world today, unibrows are uh, considered the fashionable beauty standard that you want to achieve. Right. Um, ancient Chinese women shaped and painted their eyebrows in various colors, uh, like blue. And I believe other Asian cultures uh, during that time did similar right. things. And by the way, once upon a time, not having eyebrows was also a thing. When we were talking about the no, like the large foreheads, mm-hmm. they would also take off the eyebrows because they wanted the foreheads. Right. Uh, and by the, they actually used sandpaper like to sand off the hair. <laughs> You know, that sounds horrible. But then again, I was just thinking about the fact that to this day, you can still go pour hot wax on your leg and then rip it off. That's also really painful. (laughs) Honey. Honey. Oh, God. Lasers. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, Laser rays. (laughs) Let's move on to body shaping and modification. And let's talk about belladonna, our deadly nightshade. So these were drops for the eyes used to achieve a sexy and seductive Blown out, wide-eyed look. That dewy look that you were so, you know, the deer in the headlights look. Yep. They will mm-hmm. love that. Uh, yeah, it, call, it was caused by dil- dilation, a diluted version of the active ingredient, which is used to dilate eyes to this day. Yep. But they usually tell you don't drive after the yep. fact because Sit it is so room. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but undiluted, the side effects may include vertigo, headache, blurred vision, and potentially blindness. And just by the way... Belladonna means beautiful woman. Yes. Beautiful woman who's going to blind you. You're Uh, welcome. Well, uh, every beautiful woman is dangerous and might kill you. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, According to our horror series, yes. Yes. I'm being Uh, sarcastic. Oh, I'm sorry. But according to the horror movies, yes. I'm still sticking with that. But... uh, We also want to talk about head shaping, which was used in several different cultures way back when. Way back when, they've had archaeological digs and discovering uh, heads that had been elongated to have cone-shaped heads, which they stated would have had to been done um, within like a month of their birth and bandaged up. Um, and of course, they talked about the fact that, yeah, this would have caused a lot of damage and sometimes death, which is really sad. Um, and we know that shaping is not new. It's not a new thing. And it's been around and it kind of is still around um, in several different other aspects of ways. I've actually seen uh, where they were binding breasts to stop the growth of uh, the breast tissues because they wanted small breasts, which I'm like, yeah, cool. I would have fit in then. Um, And then we we can talk about foot binding, which we're not going to get too into, obviously, because it's been discussed. And if you've seen those pictures, they are painful, including the fact that women had to relearn to walk after the bindings occurred. And this whole aspect of the smaller feet, which is still a joke today, uh, used against women about having big feet is a bad thing for women, Great for men, apparently, like even shaming men in in general about their feet size as well. So it's a whole other thing. And it started in the 10th century. And yeah, and the the practice happened, continued in China up until 1949. Uh, Again, it's a whole thing. If you look at what happens, oh. Yeah, and and that's worth its its 
whole episode, but we did want to mention it because there are modern day similarities in terms of things that people are doing, like toe shortening, tobesity, and Cinderella procedures so that their feet, and generally we're talking about women here, will fit better in heels. And y'all, those sometimes those heels are no joke. Oh, no. That could I'm, be the death of no. people. They can be. I'm I'm scared of heels. Um, <laughs> and then uh, dangerous diets, I, I would say, also falls in this category. Um, we're not going to talk about too many of them because, yes, that could also be its, a whole episode. And you can contact Ben and Noel if you want to hear more about that. Or you can contact us. We're, we can take over again. And we but, may have had it on our show. Hmm. We may have already talked about it. Uh, <laughs> but one of the famous examples of this is the tapeworm diet, which actually may or may not have existed. A 1912 article in the Washington Post titled, Tapeworm pills for fat people, merely a wild yarn, says experts claim that it was just a myth. However, you can still find old ads for it. So it reminds me of what we said earlier. I think the terrifying thing about this is I believe it could exist. <laughs> right. And if you look at diets today, some seem really, really out, like far-fetched, but they exist. So I could not imagine what we know today and the diets that exist today and what we didn't know way back when and what may have existed then. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, speaking of, we wanted to close this out with some contraptions because Oof. who doesn't love a terrifying contraption? Probably a lot of people, but Samantha doesn't <laughs> like them. Um, and we wanted to start with the dimple stamper, uh, which was invented in 1936, quote, spring-loaded contraption that promised to make a fine set by pressing a pair of knobs into the cheeks. I'm telling you, please, follow, if you would like to, I don't want to pressure you, but uh, look up pictures. As yes, we talk these about pictures these, are hilarious and they're, terrifying. They're terrifying and, and very funny. Yeah, and I, I went on a brief rabbit hole because I was just sort of curious about why dipple, dimples are attractive. And it seems like the main theory is that it reminds us of youth, that You're theme right. we've seen throughout this. And to this day, there are dimple piercings and surgeries. Yeah, um, and then also there's the freckle remover, which, by the way, apparently still exists. Uh, it's not the same contraptions, but the idea of removing freckles, which... I'm confused by because I thought that was in and it's been in because freckles are cute. Keep your freckles. I like them. Uh, but apparently, whether it's they're scraping it off or they're burning it off with chemicals or all of these things, there's still chemicals and gadgets that are used. But if you look at the old school things, it literally is like they're trying to scrape it off your face. Oh. Weird. Ow. <laughs> Well, all right, let's talk about Dr. Max, chin reducer and beautifier. It's hilarious. Okay, so this looks like a leather strap or some fabric around the forehead and then over the top of the head with what appears to be these metal pulleys with cords threaded through them that you're meant to pull out. You're, you pull that they were kind of resting along your cheeks and you pull on them to, quote, massage your double chin away. Only $10, Samantha. Yeah. Um, here's the ad. What better investment could be made? Curves of youth will be yours if you pull the cords. <laughs> pull those cords. It'll work perfectly. Also, I thought double gins had more curves. I'm confused. I don't think we should question too deeply okay, the fine. logic of these ads. <laughs> <laughs> I think that will get us in a loop that we won't be able to escape from. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, also, nose shapers. So, this was like a helmet for your nose. It was like a case for your nose that was held in place by two straps around your head, promising to give you the perfect nose. 
Right. And forget the, that the fact that you have the cartilages and, you know, bones in your nose. This will be perfect for you, which also looks like a ridiculous uh, bandage monster <laughs> movie. It does. And speaking of monster movies, we've got to talk about the beauty micrometer because I laughed aloud when I saw this one. It looks like something out of Hellraiser or Saw. It's, to- it's a torture machine. It it absolutely looks like a torture machine. And here's the ad for it. Recently perfected by Max Factor, one of Hollywood's most famous beauty experts, a new instrument designed to aid makeup men accurately registers actors' facial measurements and discloses which features should be reduced or enhanced in the makeup process. Flaws almost invisible to the ordinary eye become glaring distortions when thrown upon the screen in highly magnified images. But Factor's beauty micrometer reveals the defects. The device, remotely resembling a baseball mask, oh, um, no. Nah. Uh, Fits over the head and face with flexible metal strips. (laughs) Metal strips. Which conform closely to the various features. The strips are held in place by a set of screws allowing for 325 possible adjustments. If, for instance, the subject's nose is slightly crooked, so slightly, in fact that it escapes ordinary observation, the flaw is promptly detected by the instrument and corrective makeup is applied by an experienced operator. Okay, first of all, 325 possible. Really? I don't I don't like being told the one thing that's wrong with my face, the 10 no. things. 325 different ways? No, thank you. I don't need a machine to tell me that I'm I have a, a quote defect that I can't see. <laughs> that's <laughs> not necessary. I don't want it in my life. In no fact. one else can see it, but we can see it and tell you, oh girl, you and need now, to change that real quick. Pay this uh, money. <laughs> my other favorite, and it doesn't seem like it would be a big thing. It's called the hair wave machine. And yes, it is what you think. This is for women who wanted curls in the 1900s. You know, who doesn't love that cute look? Um, and they they had this device for them. It looks like literally looks like a Matrix, which I just recently watched again, mm-hmm. set prop to torture yeah. you. Uh, these tubes and pipes sucking humans dry. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's yeah. like I'm taking your soul and your brain waves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all concentrated, yes, on the head. So it's all, it's like, it's a, I feel like the picture that I saw had a person in scrubs. So I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're taking your brain. Run, girl, <laughs> run. Um, and women sit under these things for 10 hours hours uh, with the risk of possibly being burned or being bald. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's terrifying, this picture. Uh, yeah. Once yeah. again, the things we have been willing and are continually willing to do for beauty. Um, that, we have covered a lot of ground in this episode, and we have also introduced a lot of pathways for future episodes because a lot of these topics should be covered more in depth. Yes. Um, ben and Noel, you should be covering these subjects. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but thank you. Thank you all for sticking with us on this journey on International Women's Day or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Um, thanks to Casey, uh, the amazing uh, wizard behind the scenes. We know you're the this. real man behind this project. We know you're mm-hmm. the one. Oh, yes. We know. Um, <laughs> and thanks to Ben and Noel for inviting us to do this. Yes. Hope we did you proud. 
Yeah, I hope so. I I hope so. And if you would like to find us, you can find us on the podcast stuff. Mom never told you wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. You can find me personally at Annie Reese. That's A-N-N-E-Y-R-E-E-S-E on Twitter or Instagram. I don't post much, but sometimes I post things. Yeah, and if you want to find me, I'm McVeigh Samantha, M-C-V-E-Y-S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A or McVeigh Sam on both Twitter and Instagram if you want all of the updates of my cute dog who is also a jerk. Yes. (laughs) Um, not mutually exclusive exclusive. so (laughs) thank you again for listening thanks to the Ridiculous History crew of Ben and Nolan Casey and uh, we hope that you come check us out for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.